All right, so how many of you guys have heard the story of Samson? Samson and Delilah? All right, we're going to be, that's all? That's all of you that have heard about Samson. Come on. I'm going to keep asking questions so you guys start listening. Like, Jaden, you've never heard of Samson and Delilah? Yeah, you have. All right, well, then you better listen up because tonight's the night. Everyone, if you have your Bible, open up to Judges chapter 13. If not, James Frizee is going to go to the back, grab some Bibles, and pass them out to you. Right, James? So throw up your hand if you don't have a Bible. And you guys are going to, we're going to be like kind of skimming through. I just want you guys to be open to it so that you can like look at it for reference. We're not going to read Judges. It's on page 235. I'm just kidding. You don't have the same Bible as me, so it's not on page 235 for you. Chapter 13. Cool. Um, And we're going to go through chapter 13, 14, 15, and 16. And that's why we're not reading every single word. So, I'm going to give you some context on Samson and what was going on in that time. At the beginning of chapter 13, it says, are we all there? Throw up your hands if you're there. Beginning of chapter 13. Judges. Judges 13. Right after Joshua, right before... Ruth? Cool. If you fit Revelations, you've gone too far. <laughs> right? Bible jokes. Um, yeah, Judges 13. So it says, at the beginning of Judges 13, and the people of Israel again did what was evil in the sight of the Lord. So the Lord gave them into the hands of the Philistines for 40 years. So you guys know how Israel's been throughout all the Bible. They do really good, they'll be awesome for a little while, and then they'll sin, and they'll get turned over to the enemy, over and over and over and over and over. And right now, it just happened again, so the angel of the Lord came down to, uh, their name is Manoah and uh, his wife. I don't know if it shows her name. Manoah and his wife. The angel of the Lord comes down, and he's like, all right, it's kind of like the Abraham and his wife scenario. He's like, you can't have babies because she's barren. You all know what barren means. means you can't have babies. So he's, the angel of the Lord's like, you're barren. You can't have babies. But I'm going to give you a baby so that Samson can come into the world. So they're sending Samson down. It's this long, all of chapter 13. You guys can read on your own. It's actually kind of interesting. They like make a little fire and they offer it up. And the angel of the Lord like goes up in the fire. It's pretty cool. Read it if you want. Um, but we don't get much on like the young childhood of Samson. It's just, it says, And the woman bore a son and called his name Samson. And the young man grew and the Lord blessed him. And then the next chapter is chapter 14 and it's called Samson's marriage. So, we miss a lot of his youth. But basically, he is the one that God has chosen, that God has sent down to deliver the Israelites after the 40 years. He's sending them down to deliver the Israelites out of the hands of the Philistines. So, he was a Nazarite. Oh, almost. Almost nailed it. He was a Nazarite, which means he was set apart from all the other people. So, being a Nazarite, it's not like Jesus of Nazareth. 
It's a little bit different. It means set apart so he couldn't do three things what we read earlier in chapter 13. He wasn't allowed to drink any alcohol. It says he couldn't put anything from the vine on his lips. So wine came from grapes. He's not allowed to eat grapes or drink any wine or any alcohol. He wasn't allowed to eat anything that was unclean. There were certain animals that were unclean if something wasn't killed and drained the proper way. It was considered unclean. And he wasn't allowed to cut his hair. So that had to be kind of an interesting life for him growing up. I mean, I feel like my dad all growing up, it would get like barely past my ears, my hair. And my dad would be like, cut your hair. You look ridiculous. Samson's dad's like, you're never allowed to cut your hair. He's probably a really confused little boy. But he was a Nazarite, so he had to be set apart. Um, and these were signs, outward signs, that he was God's chosen and following God. He's the last of the judges in the Bible, um, in the book of Judges. Um, so, three things he wasn't allowed to do, and we see that he is going to do all of those three things. Um, but it doesn't start off with Samu Samson, I almost said Samuel, Samson growing up one day and being like, oh, guess what? I'm going to go drink some alcohol, cut my hair, and eat something unclean. It wasn't just an idea that he had. It all started with casual compromise. How many of you guys have heard of casual compromise? Yeah? It's like when you're like, oh, it, it's not that bad. I'm going to do this because it's not really sin, is it? It's like when Satan says to Adam and Eve, or I think he just says it to Eve, did God really say don't eat of the fruit on the tree? Is that really what he meant? It's casual compromise. It's not like stepping right over and just being like, I want to sin. It's slowly going and moving more into um, what it would be, what would be considered sin. So Samson was the strongest man that we ever know of in history. And I think he's the strongest man that's ever going to live. Um, if you don't believe me, here's a pretty awesome example of it. We're going to see in chapter 14 that Samson, after he decides, does one of his uh, casual compromises, he decides that he's going to marry a Philistine woman, which wasn't one of the things that God was like, you can't do because you're a Nazarite, but it was something that if you were a Jew, if you were an Israelite, you were supposed to marry other Israelites. You weren't supposed to marry into the Philistines because the Philistines were the enemy. So that wife that he marries is going to cause him a lot of problems. Um, and he says to his mother and father, I saw one, now get her for me as my wife. So he just decides that it's going to be his wife. He walks down and he sees her. He hangs out with her. And the next couple days he goes down to get her again. And this is how strong he was, okay? He's walking with his father, he's going through a field, and he gets away from his parents for a little while, and he hears a lion. Like, we're like, oh, David, he killed a lion with his bare hands. The Bible tells us that Samson was walking, and a lion growls and jumps at him, and he crouches down and grabs his belly fur and slowly tears the lion into pieces. Like, I don't know about you guys, but I would not jump underneath the lion to grab him and rip him in half. That seems pretty epic to me. You have to be really strong, and you'd have to be Samson, because tearing a lion in half is something that's pretty crazy. Kobe might be able to do it. I don't think I could. So he tears him in half, and he tears him up into little pieces, and boom. 
he leaves the skin and the body of the lion sitting there. And he walks away, and um, he doesn't tell his parents about it. He doesn't tell his parents about the lion. Um, and so when he's walking by it again later on, there's a bunch of bees that he sees, kind of like, who saw all the bees out in the trash can? I walked by, and I was like, bees, and I ran away as fast as I could. He walks up, and he's like, bees, honey, and he walks up to him. He reaches inside, and he scrapes up all the honey, and he just starts, like, macking on this honey. There's probably, like, honey dripping down his hairy forearms and his beard and his giant muscles. I don't know if he had giant muscles, but he was really buff, so he might have, um, and he starts eating them, and it, it had to have hit him then that he just did something that God commanded him not to do. That was eating something unclean because he's eating the blood of the lion and he's eating all these things that would be touching the lion. And you're not allowed to eat anything that just touched a dead, um, that was even touched or um, came near something unclean. So he eats the honey and I can imagine he probably stood there and he was like, oh, I just did that. Like I'm a Nazarite. I'm not supposed to do that. And he might have stood there for a second and been like, I'd be like, oh my gosh, is a lightning bolt going to hit me? Like, what's going to happen? Is God going to kill me right now? And he stands there, and nothing happens. And I can imagine what he thought, because I know I thought it through high school, um, and I'm sure a lot of you guys have these same thoughts. When something happens, and you sin, and you don't get struck by a lightning bolt, or your parents don't find out right away, you're like, oh wow, I guess God doesn't care about that sin that much. I mean, if he cared about it, he would obviously like, put me in trouble about it. He'd do something. I'd get sick. He'd do something to show me that it's wrong. But God didn't do anything. And he stood there. And it says that he just kept on walking. Um, in chapter 13, um, he went down. And after eating the honey, he goes down to the Philistines to his wife. And... They have, it says, I'll just read the verse. It says, chapter 14, verse 10. His father went down to the woman, and Samuel prepared a feast there. For so the young men used to do when they were married. So, he goes down, and the Bible doesn't say exactly what happens, but I looked it up because I heard a guy teach on it, and he was like, Samuel was standing there pounding down the beer with the Philistines. And I was like, oh, my gosh. Like, and I read it, and I was like, I don't see that anywhere. But the word feast means drinking party. So most commentators believe that when he was having the party um, and he was already showing signs of compromise, that he was partaking in the alcohol at the drinking party for his little mini wedding thing that he had. Um, and if that's true, I can imagine him again standing there. Maybe he was standing around, the Philistines are all looking at him, and he drinks it. And they know that he's a Nazarite. They know that he's a strong man. They know that he's all that stands between them and the Israelites. And they must have been like, oh, yeah, he's one of us now. And Samson drank it, and I'm sure he was like, I know I'm not supposed to be doing this. And he stood there, and he's like, what's a fireball going to hit me now? And he's like standing there waiting to die waiting for God to strike him down, waiting for something to happen, and nothing happens. And I can relate with that because there were a lot of times growing up where exactly like before, maybe something happens and then another thing happens and you're like, oh, I just got a little bit closer. Like, I, I can do that and get away with it too. 
or I can, I can talk back to my parents this many times and still get away with it. My dad didn't come home and yell at me or they didn't take away my phone. So, it's oh, crazy. Um, so it's okay to do that. So it shows him and we'll see throughout his life that he is slowly compromising um, and slowly giving himself over to what he knows he's not supposed to be giving himself over to. Um, there's a couple more stories that are pretty epic about how strong he is. Um, but there's one that's really cool. He's like a really smart guy. He goes and he gives this riddle and it had to do with what he ate. He says to the Philistines at the party, he says, out of the eater came something to eat. Out of the strong came something sweet. And he says to them, hey, if you can solve this riddle, I will go and kill 30 men and give you everything that they own. But if you can't solve it, you have to give me the same amount of your stuff. So he's just like messing with them at this party. And his wife, a Philistine, ends up and going and going and uh, she goes and tells them um, the answer is the honey because out of the eater came something to eat. It's the lion and the honey. That's what he's talking about. So he gets really mad. He gets really angry and he takes a bunch of foxes. I think it says how many foxes actually. He took 300 foxes, which is pretty crazy. I mean, have you guys ever tried to catch a fox? No? I've never tried to catch a fox. Have you tried to catch a pig? Trevor? You tried to catch a pig? Have you tried to catch a groundhog? Maybe that's something that we can like more relate with. I bet you James has. Or a squirrel. Squirrels are kind of like foxes. I know James has tried to catch squirrels. I've watched him. Right? I've watched you. You can admit it. It's okay. Oh my gosh. That's messed up. So um, Samson catches 300 squirrels, which you have to be pretty clever to do. And he ties fire to, he ties like these things on fire to their tails and puts them out into the crops. They all run through and burn down all the Philistines' crops. And I think that's pretty awesome because he's trying to kill the Philistines and he just burned down all their crops with foxes. So that's pretty cool. Um, and then the Philistines go to his wife, who's a Philistine, and they set her house on fire while she's still inside of it. And she dies. So Samson's like, oh, shoot. Like, what just happened? So these little things that he's doing are causing a lot of um, a lot of pain to him. They're causing um, a lot of sin to enter into his life, and that's causing a lot of destruction. Um, so what happens is Samson goes out, and the Philistines are mad at him, burn his wife, and he's like, whoa, that escalated quickly. He's like, oh, shoot, you guys just burned my wife dead. And that would have been pretty awkward for him. But he goes back. The, the tribe of Judah's there. And the Philistines surround the tribe of Judah. And they say, give us Samson or we're going to kill all of you. So they bind up Samson because Samson lets them. Takes him out into a field. And they all start walking out towards him. And this is one of the most epic Samson stories. Just showing how strong Samson is. He's standing there bound up by these ropes. And as they get closer to him, he sees, it says, a thousand Philistines start coming over the hill. And he just, boom, just breaks the ropes off. And he looks around, and he doesn't have anything to kill him with. So he goes up to a dead donkey. Who's heard the story? Anyone? Story of Samson and the donkey's jawbone? No one? 
Okay, awesome. Then it's really epic. He goes over, grabs the jawbone out of the donkey. So he has like this crazy jawbone. I don't know if he like broke it in half and he had two of them. Did anyone, did any of you watch the Bible documentary thing that happened? No? Any of you? Well, Samson's like this huge black dude in it and he's like super muscular and he grabs the jawbone. <laughs> yeah, Jordan. He grabs the jawbone and he breaks it in half and he just like stands there. It's really weird how they do it. And he stands there and he's just like, and he just starts spinning with these jawbones and the Philistines are like running at him and they like get hit in the face. And he's just like, he just stands there and he spins with these jawbones and he's like, Aah! and he's just like killing them. I'm sure it was probably a little bit different than that. He probably like ran at him and he was like, and like stabbed him. Like, I like to imagine like the fighting scenes from like 300 or Gladiator and he's just like, and just like messing people up, you know what I mean? Chopping their heads off with a jawbone. And he says, with a jawbone of a donkey, heaps upon heaps, with the jawbone of a donkey, have I struck down a thousand men. So he killed a thousand dudes with the jawbone of a donkey. So this dude was really strong, and he was really mean, and he was an awesome warrior. And he had all those things, because those were things that God had gifted him with to kill and turn over the Israelites from the Philistines. So he's doing things that are what God wants him to do, but he's letting a bunch of compromise cut in as he's doing it, which leads to the most famous story in Samson's life, chapter 16. James knows. Samson and Delilah. Who knows who Delilah was? Really? Was she like all wrinkly and bony because she's like a thousand years old? No? All right. Um, so Samson and Delilah. After Samson goes and he kills all of these men, these are the words that he says. Um... Chapter 15, verse 18, he says, um, it says, He called upon the Lord and said, You have granted this great salvation by the hand of your servant. And shall I now die of thirst and fall into the hands of the uncircumcised? And God split open the hollow place that is at Lehi, and the water came out of it, and he drank and his spirit returned, and he revived. Therefore, the name was called... Yeah, you can read it for yourself. It is Lehi to this day. So, Samson has these interactions with God. He knows who God is, and he's calling out to God. And he says, God, please give me water. And he has like this awesome moment with God. God breaks open the ground, water comes up, and he drinks out of the, out of the ground that God just gave him the water from. And then the next chapter... It says, Samson went to Gaza, and there he saw a prostitute and went into her. And you're like, whoa! Are you serious? You're like, are you, whoa, what's going on, Samson? Like, you just had a, this awesome interaction with God. You just prayed to God, and he just gave you this. He let you destroy all these Philistines with the jawbone of a donkey. You didn't have a sword. They all had swords and shields. And now you go to Gaza, and you do this. And that's, that, that woman is Delilah. And so we're like, what is he doing? So he goes, and 
he stays with her until midnight. The people that were the Philistines were tired of attacking Samson, so they waited for him, and they thought that they were going to be able to ambush him at the gate. So he gets up at midnight instead of at the morning, and he starts walking towards the gate, and it says there's people in the windows. I picture, like, um, Beauty and the Beast when, like, Gaston's walking through, and there's, like, people in the windows looking at him. So that's, like, what I'm picturing, like, that cartoon dirt road. And he walks up to the gate. The gate of the city was the strongest part of the city. How many of you guys ever played, like, Age of Empires? Yeah? How many of you guys played any computer games? Or am I just a nerd? I'm a nerd? Okay. How many of you guys played, like, any war games where you were, like, ancient war games? Anyone? No one? Really? Man, I'm a nerd. Okay. So, the walls of the city were, like, the huge, strong, protecting parts of the city. And in this town... Um, in Gaza, the gate was wide enough to ride chariots across, and it was six feet wide of stone. So there's six feet wide here, and the pillars in the center were driven 15 feet down into the ground. So there's these giant gates, giant metal, like, you guys know what I'm talking about? Like those metal drawbridges that, like, they can make go up and down. Samson walks up to it. There's people that are waiting to ambush him. And he takes this gate by the handle. And he, it says he crouches down, gets underneath it, and pushes up. I'm sure it was like, you can hear it all creaking. The gate's starting to crack. And he lifts the gate up out of the ground. The entire gate of the city. This thing's like massive. It's so tall, they said that you couldn't throw a rock up to the top of it. That's how tall it is. And he crouches down, and he pushes up. And he lifts the gate out of the ground, and he puts it on his back, and he carries it 28 miles away and puts it on the top of a mountain. That's pretty awesome. Like, that's just like kicking someone while they're down. It's like, all right, Samson, you already pulled our gate out of the ground, but you don't have to take it 28 miles away. But he's just showing them, like, how strong he is um, and how that didn't even bother him. He was just like, oh, yeah, gate. I'm just going to pull it out of the ground and take it 28 miles away and throw it on a mountain. It's crazy. Um, so he does that, and then he returns back to Delilah again. Um, and in chapter 16, verse 5, it says, And the lords of the Philistines came up to Delilah and said to her, Seduce him and see what is his, where his great strength lies, and by what means we may overpower him, that we may bind him to humble him. So we will each give you 1,100 pieces of silver. That's a lot of money. So Delilah's like, all right. So she takes him. Um, he's in her room. And she says to him, um, please tell me where your great strength lies and how you may be bound that one could subdue you. So she basically walks up to him and she's like, all right. Tell me how to kill you. Like, I want to know how I can wrap you up um, and the Philistines can come in and kill you. And he's like, oh, well, if they bind me with seven fresh bowstrings that have not been dried, then I shall become weak and be like any other man. So basically what he says is these strings were like animal tendons. So he's like, if you take animal tendons that haven't been dried and wrap me up with them, I'll become weak. 
And so he totally lies to her, which is good. He shouldn't, I mean, it's not good that he lied. But it's good that he didn't tell her how, um, how to kill him. And so it says in chapter 16, verse 9, Now she had men lying in ambush in the inner chamber. And she said to him, The Philistines are upon you, Samson. But he snapped the bowstrings as a thread of flax snaps when it touches fire. I don't know what that means. So the secret of his strength was not known. But, Sam, but Delilah said to Samson, Behold, you have mocked me and told me lies. Please tell me how you might be bound. So he's laying there. The Philistines come in, tie him up, and he breaks them, goes, probably kills some Philistines again. And she's like, Samson, you lied to me. And he's like, oh, I'm so sorry. And she says, Behold, you have mocked me and told me lies. Please tell me how you might be bound. And he said, If they bind me with new ropes that have not been used, then I shall become weak and be like any other man. So again, they take these ropes, go in, same exact thing happens. They wrap him up, and he wakes up, breaks the ropes, and goes out and kills the Philistines. And she says to him again, until now you have mocked me and told me lies. Tell me how you might be bound. And he said to her again, he like, I don't know why. This, this woman, crazy woman, is standing there and she's like, tell me how you can be bound. And every time the Philistines come in and do that exact thing to him, and she's like, oh, I'm so sorry you lied to me though. Like, tell me how it is. Like, tell me what I'm supposed to do. And he keeps like making up these things. I don't know how... He's so far gone that he doesn't see that she's trying to kill him. And she says, tell me how you might be bound. And he says, if you weave the seven locks of my head with the web and fasten it tight with a pin, then I shall become weak like any other man. So I imagine he has like some sick dreadlocks because it says the seven locks of his head. So like only seven giant dreadlocks. That's pretty crazy. I mean, if I wasn't allowed to cut my hair up forever... I'd probably have, like, these awesome dreadlocks. It'd be pretty cool. Um, and so she weaves them while he's sleeping, exactly like he said that she was supposed to. And it says, but he awoke from the sleep, pulled away the pin, the loom, and the web. And she said to him, how can you say I love you when your heart is not with me? You have mocked me these three times and you have not told me where your great strength lies. So he's like, oh, man, I'm sorry I lied to you again. She's like, Samson, you keep lying to me. But every time he tells her what to do, the Philistines come in and try and kill him every single time. And he keeps telling her different things. So this time he says, and when she, it says, when she pressed him hard with words day after day and urged him, his soul was vexed to death. So she's like nagging him like crazy. It says, um, I'm not exactly sure where else in the Bible. I think it's in Proverbs. It says, a nagging woman is like a continuous drip of a faucet. It's like, you know, when you're like laying there and just like, plunk, 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 plunk. like how annoying is that? Just like over and over and over and over. There's like this crazy Chinese torture. I don't know if it actually is, but like people would always tell me growing up. We like pin someone down and just like on their forehead, like, over and over and over, and it, like, doesn't hurt, but it's, like, so crazy in your brain that it's just the most annoying thing. So she's standing there and just nagging and nagging and nagging and nagging, and he finally says to her, 
A razor has never come upon my head. So his hair has never been cut. And he has been a Nazarite to God, he says, from my mother's womb. If, I, if my head is shaved, then my strength will leave me. And I shall become weak like any other man. So sure enough, it says, when Delilah saw that he had told her with all his heart, she sent and called the lords of the Philistines, saying, come up again, for he has told me all his heart. Then the lords of the Philistines came to her and brought the money in their hands. She made him sleep on her knees, and she called a man and had him shave off the seven locks on his head. Then she began to torment him, and his strength left him. And she said, the Philistines are upon you, Samson. So again, he tells her what to do, but this time he tells her the truth. I don't know how he didn't catch on after the first three times that this was going to happen, why he didn't just get up and run away and get out of that situation, but he stays there, he stays in his sin, and he finally gives himself over to her. She cuts off his hair, and it says that he gets up and he chases the Philistines out, and it says that he was still able to grab one or two, but it says once three or four jumped upon his back, he tried to throw him off of him, but his strength wasn't there. And they tied him down, pinned him down, and they took a knife and stabbed it into his left eye and then stabbed it into his right eye. So Samson's finished. His hair's gone. He just had both his eyes plucked out um, because he stayed in his sin and wouldn't, wouldn't leave, and he was so wrapped up in his sin that he finally gave himself over completely um, to Delilah and to sin. So what I think is a common like misunderstanding of this is that people are always like, Samson's hair made him so strong. People always say like, oh, it's because he had this long hair that he was so strong. But there's so many people that have long hair and they're not strong. I think that it's because this was the last of the vows of the Nazarite that he had given to God. And at this point, he had completely forsaken every promise that he made to God. So first he ate of something that was unclean. Then he went and drank alcohol. And then at this point, his hair was cut off because of his continuous sin. Um, but I think it's pretty obvious that his strength wasn't in his hair, but it was in God. And at that point, he had chosen to forsake God to such a point that God gave him over to his own sin. And at that point, Samson was so lost. Has his hair cut off. They take him and they put him in a plow. And he's for the remainder, before we get into the next part, for the remainder of that time, he is put where the mules were, and he's pushing the grinding stone. So he's standing there with his eyes plucked out, hair shaved, and his job now is to stand there and just push this stone. And I'm sure days turned into weeks and months where he's just pushing this stone. When you can't see, it's like the most uncomfortable feeling. Um, there were probably people whipping him, and he couldn't see it coming. Um, and this was all a result of his sin. So we can see that Samson's sin did two things to him, two Bs, easy to, remind, easy to remember. Samson's sin first blinded him, and then it bound him. If you guys are writing that down anywhere, sin will first blind you, and then it will bind you. Um, 
So he's blind. Um, he's bound to this um, pillar, forced to just push. And as I was reading it, I was like, Samson, you're so stupid. What's going on? I can read paragraph after paragraph where Delilah is telling you that she's going to kill you. She's telling you over and over, basically, tell me how to kill you, and I'm going to. And I've proven it to you three times that I'm going to, so now tell me how, and I will kill you if you really tell me how. And I read that, and I'm like, how can he be so dumb? He was God's chosen. He was God's elect at that time to set Israelites free from the Philistines. And he chose to give himself completely over to sin time and time again. And then I think about it, and I'm like, oh, my gosh. That reminds me of me so much. I could sit through all of high school, and I can hear people tell me, stop that sin. It's going to destroy you. Stop being angry at your brother. Stop being angry at your mom, because if you're angry at your mom, there's a great chance you're going to treat your wife like that. Stop looking at things you're not supposed to be looking at. And we can hear these things over and over and over and over and over, just like Samson did. But for some reason, we choose to stay in our sin and to stay day after day, not giving that up to God and running away from it like Joseph did um, with Pharaoh's wife. Um, and reading through this, we can say, Samson, why didn't you just run? But we need to be asking ourselves that same question because right now, just like Samson, he was in a place at his life where everything was great. He was the strongest man that ever lived. He could rip lions in half. He could pick up a wall that was gigantic and just carry it 28 miles away and throw it. And he was with any woman that he wanted to be with, doing whatever he wanted to do, thinking that there was no consequence to sin because of his casual compromise. Because he broke the first two vows of the Nazarites, he was probably like, wow, if I, if I tell her that she can cut my hair off, and she does, I'll still be strong. I mean, I drank alcohol and I'm still strong. I ate of something that was unclean and I'm still strong. But then when he finally gave himself over to all three, that's when he lost the strength that God was giving to him. So we need to really really take this um, and apply it to our own lives because I can stand up here and Aaron can stand up here and we can say to you over and over, don't be sinning, like don't do this. You, but you guys already know, like what Aaron was saying earlier about the cards and writing down like anything, you're like, is this sin? Chances are, yeah, it's sin. If you have to sit there and go, is this a sin? It, there's a good chance that it is. So we need to stop fooling ourselves like Samson did um, and realize that there's real consequences to our sin. But the story doesn't end like that. Samson's not just pushing it forever and ever and ever till he dies. What happens is Samson is called to go out into the courtyard, and it says that the people, the Philistines, want to make fun of him and mock him because he used to be strong, he used to kill their people, and now he's their slave. So he goes out, and he's led out by a little boy, which must have been humiliating. He used to kill all these people, and now he can't even find his way out without a little boy guiding him. And he walks up, and he asks the boy to lean him up against the pillar, because they put him between the two pillars that were holding the room together. It was probably pretty cool looking. 
and he leans him up against the two pillars, and he prays, God, I'm going to read it. He says, O Lord God, please remember me and please strengthen me only this once, O God, that I may be avenged on the Philistines for my two eyes. It says, and Samson grasped the two pillars, and it says that he pushed into them, and after he prayed that, um, God filled him with his spirit once again. I heard a, I heard a pastor teaching on it when I was um, reading through this, and the pastor was like, as the time went by, Samson's hair grew back, and his hair was so long that he was able to push these pillars over. I don't think that was the case. I mean... I doubt if the Philistines knew that cutting his hair would make him not strong, that they would let his hair grow out back again. I would be worried about that. So I'm sure, I'm positive that God filled him with strength, and at that moment he was able to lean into the pillars, and he pushed the pillars and broke them, these huge concrete pillars, and they crumbled, and it says he killed 3,000 men in those pillars falling. The whole house came down and collapsed. Um, and it took out a huge chunk of Philistines that would then help the Israelites in the future to conquer the Philistines and be delivered from their hand. Um, so we can see three things that we need to remember, that we need to pray in, maybe write down if you guys haven't written anything else down. I think they're going to be up on the screen. Three things that we need to learn from Samson's life. One, giving in to temptation leads to sin. The first thing, giving into temptation leads to sin. Just like we've been talking about. Little temptations, little things, little things that you do in your room that you're like, no one's watching. I'm not hurting anyone. Or maybe with your boyfriend or with your girlfriend, you're like, we're not hurting anyone. We're just, we're just alone by ourselves having a good time. Or I can look at this or I can watch this movie I know I'm not supposed to. I'm not hurting anyone. It's just me. I'm in, this, I'm in the room alone. That will slowly take hold of you and consume you just like Samson thought there was nothing that could go wrong with his relationship with Delilah and then it is what brought him down. Second, God will use a, even a sinful man to enact his will. So, even though Samson was a sinner and we can look at it and go, that's just like me. Samson didn't just get stuck in his blind state, pushing this thing, um, and God never came back to him. As he was doing that, all he did was he called out to the Lord, and I th think from what I remember, this is the one time um, that he like begs the Lord for something. Um, he cries out to the Lord, and God's not like, well, Samson, I guess I'll make you a kind of strong like, I'll work you back up to where you were. God's like, he calls out to him, and God instantly fills him with his spirit and gives him the power by God to push down these two pillars and take out the Philistines. So even though he was sinful, even though he was unworthy, just like we're sinful and we're unworthy, God used him to get his will done. So what we need to remember is that even though we're going to mess up, because we will, even though we're going to sin, even though we're going to see ourselves and be like, man, I've done this and this and this and this, disobeyed my parents, I've done everything the Bible's telling me not to do, 
We can't get stuck in that. We can't let that consume us and take over our lives and take over our actions and our emotions because if we do, we won't, if, if we're just stuck here, we won't look up to God and cry out to God when all God wants is us to call out to him and he'll fill you with his spirit again and empower you to get um, his will done because his will is going to get done, but it's up to us if we want to be a part of that. Um, and third, as long as we're on earth, God will not let us escape consequences of our sin. Yeah. Um, so something that I got really frustrated with and bummed out with in my early high school time was when I would do something I knew I wasn't supposed to do. And there were even times I came to my parents and I was like, Mom, Dad, I did this. I'm so sorry. Or... I would go back to my parents before my teacher had a chance to call them and be like, Mom, I was totally disrespectful to Mr. Barger in class today. Um, I'm sorry. Expecting her to be like, oh, like, thank you for apologizing. It's okay. Like, we'll work on that. My mom was still like, oh, okay. Um, you're not going anywhere for the next two weeks and give me your phone. I'd be like, what? Like, I just came and confessed to you. I didn't let the sin find me out. I came and confessed. But we have to remember is that there's still going to be consequences while we're on earth. When we die or when God takes us into heaven, we're going to be free from those consequences. But while we're here in this sinful state, we have to remember that even though um, we confess and even though we get brought to that point of um, repentance, that there still might be consequences for some of our sins. Um, so those three things, I mean, we can learn tons of stuff from his life, but these are three things that I think that we can really see um, God do in Samson's life. So I guess I, the, what I want you guys to just really get from this is that, like the title said, um, there was a lot, uh, what was this, go back to that? I forget what I called it. That's bad of me. A saved soul, but a wasted life. So just because um, you're wasting your life now doesn't mean you have to keep continuing to do that. But God can and will redeem you when you call out to him. God filled Samson with his spirit. So don't get caught up in a depression um, of your sin, call out to God and he will wash you free of it. He promises that to us. Um, so if you're stuck in something and you feel guilty and you feel dirty and you feel like there's nothing that you can do to make it better, it's because there's nothing you can do to make it better. And if we try over and over and over, we'll get stuck in this depression. And if we stay in our sin like Samson did, we'll get stuck in sin. What we have to do is call out to God, and God will wash you clean, and God will renew you, and he'll give you everlasting life. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I pray that um, as we break off into these groups, Lord, that it would be fruitful. I pray that there would be something that was said tonight, God, that... Um, that you would use, um, seeds would be planted, and that you would um, provoke thoughts, and that you would cause people
to repent, Lord. Um, cause these students to cry out to you, to desire to be filled with your spirit, to desire your love, and to not want to be stuck in this constant wheel of sin, Lord, that's never-ending. I pray that as they go into the school year, God, that whether the summer's been great, I pray that you would keep the school year, give them a fresh filling of your spirit throughout the school year, but I pray, God, that if there's secret sins, if there's things that have been going on this, this summer, Lord, that you would um, cause us to call out to you, cause us to pray, um, and ask you to fill us with your spirit, God, as we go into this school year, that you would make this class, make this group of high schoolers one that is after your heart, um, and that you would help us to love you more and more every day, God. I pray this in your name. Amen.